podcast. It's called the Matthew West Podcast. I really hope you like it. And so it begins. Oh, man, you have no idea how excited I am right now. I've been waiting for this day to come. I've been working behind the scene and keeping this secret for months. But I can finally share with you today that the Matthew West podcast, it's real. It's a thing. And it's coming your way right now. You're listening to it right now. And you're about to hear episode one. But before we get into all that, just in case you missed the trailer that we posted, I thought I'd share with you what you can expect with every episode of the Matthew West Podcast. You might be wondering, why now? Why in the year of our Lord 2020 would you choose to release your very own podcast? And the answer to that question is simple. I did months and months of painstaking research in the podcast world. I love listening to podcasts, and I came away with one conclusion. There simply are not enough podcasts in the world. I decided the world needed just one more podcast, and I'm Matthew Weston here to faithfully answer that call. Okay, okay, there's plenty of podcasts in the world, but this has been a dream of mine for a long time, and this was the right time to do it, and I hope you love it as much as I do. What can you expect from every episode? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to be investigating unsolved crimes. We're going to be unearthing conspiracy theories and mostly discussing highly divisive political topics. Just kidding. None of that's going to take place on this show. There's plenty of other podcasts for that, okay? But if you like a good story, this is a podcast for you. I'm coming to you from my home studio, which is called The Story House. And in every episode of the Matthew West Podcast, we're going to be diving into the power of a story. But not just any story. I'm talking about the story that's being written with each one of our lives. In every episode, I'm going to be interviewing some of my favorite people. Influencers, authors, artists, athletes, people whose stories have inspired me. And I know they're going to inspire you. You see, I've been passionate about the power of a story for a long time, and a lot of that passion comes from my travels around the country. I've met so many people who've been made to feel like somehow their story is insignificant, their story doesn't matter, or maybe their story is disqualified from being used by God, and that's simply not true. God has a plan for every single one of us. He's the author of all stories, and God loves a good comeback story, so I hope every one of these episodes will inspire you to go live a more meaningful story with your life. So let's get started. When I decided I wanted to do a podcast, I couldn't think of anybody better for the first episode than somebody who's actually never done a podcast interview before, which actually was shocking. But this guy is a close friend of mine, and I know many of you are huge fans of his music and his ministry. Mark Hall is the lead singer of Casting Crowns, one of the biggest artists in contemporary Christian music history. No joke. They've sold more than 10 million records, and they've had countless number one songs. More importantly than that, though, Mark knows his story is not defined by his musical accomplishments. He's the most unassuming rock star you will ever meet. And that's what I and everybody else love about him. I'm honored to call this guy my friend. We've written a bunch of songs together, and I love that we're going to get the chance to hang out. So let's go to the Story House with Mark Hall. 
But first, I have to tell you about the amazing work that my friends at Simply Earth are doing. Simply put, Simply Earth is the reason why my studio smells amazing right now. Not only does it smell amazing, but I know that the air is becoming toxin-free thanks to the incredible essential oil boxes that they send to my house every month. My wife and I love that Simply Earth is helping to make the air in our home toxin-free. Every month, this box comes to your house, right? It's over $150 value for just a $39 monthly subscription. You get four full-size essential oils and all the ingredients you need to make six natural recipes. They put the recipes in the box. Each box has a different theme. I've actually got a box right here, and the theme is Good Vibes which is perfect for my studio, dude. But you know what? It's not just my studio. It's not just my house. It's my home away from home, i.e. the tour bus, which is the stinkiest place known to man. I mean, imagine my band and crew after a summer festival, 100 degrees, hot, sweaty. That tour bus starts smelling like buffalo wild wings and feet in a hurry. But thanks to Simply Earth, we are magically whisked away to a field of wildflowers, and that tour bus smells like lavender and happiness. You know what I'm talking about? Most importantly, I know the air we're breathing in is toxin-free, which is more important now than ever. Can I get an amen? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go check out the 100% pure and natural Simply Earth ingredients. You can get them delivered to your door by going to simplyearth.com slash west. That's simplyearth.com slash west. Here's what they wanted to do for my listeners. When you use the code west, you get a free $20 gift card with your first recipe box. The last thing, I'm saving the best for last. Check this out. 13% of their profits are donated to end human trafficking. That's why I wanted to support this organization. When you subscribe to Simply Earth, you're going to help end human trafficking. And that is something I can stand behind. So go to simplyearth.com slash west and subscribe today. This is the crazy thing about us talking to each other right now is we're supposed to be together on tour buses right now on stage doing concerts. Yeah. Can you believe, though, Mark, it wasn't long ago that you and I were in Albany, New York on a Sunday. I thought it was Trenton, New Jersey. Wait, what did I say? You said Guatemala. Are you okay? <laughs> you need to lay down? Yeah. Oh, man. Too long of a quarantine. <laughs> so we were in Trenton, New Jersey. Yes. Before that, we were in Albany, New York. Yeah. That's the last one we did. Right. And then we were in Trenton. We were all set up. And then Melanie called us all into the arena area to have a little meeting. Because we all knew it was coming, and it was the official, we're done. Melanie, your tour manager. My tour manager for life. Yes, she's also your wife. Indeed. That's right. And she told us that not only were we not going to be doing a concert that night on the Only Jesus Tour, but the whole tour had been postponed. Yeah. I think we were all looking a little dazed and confused and certainly concerned about what's going on in our world. And obviously, everybody knows what's unfolded now. But yeah. I tell you what, I was looking forward to singing on stage with you every single night. And so it's just good to hear your voice. Thanks for joining me. Man, thanks for having me on, bro. Am I understanding this correctly, that you've never done a podcast interview before? I have never done a podcast interview ever. Well, you're one of my favorite people in the whole world. And I was thinking about the chance to chat with you in a different light. And again, I would think people might expect that we would spend all of our time talking about the music that you've created. And we're going to get to that. But, yes, you know, we are supposed to be on tour together. And one of the things that I was enjoying so much on our tour was a moment where I got to sit on the side of the stage and watch you put the microphone down 
pick up some pencils and paint brushes and you began to create the most incredible portraits of the face of Jesus. And I was absolutely and totally blown away by this like secret talent that you all of a sudden put on display in front of sold out crowds every night. And it was such a moving experience to see how you created these portraits, how you went about these sketches. But I mean, I just have always known you as an amazing singer and speaker and songwriter. And all of a sudden, this guy starts creating these incredible sketches. Mm -hmm. I want to start there and I want to hear about how that even came out of you and how you discovered you had that talent. Well, in school, drawing was kind of all that I was able to do halfway well. Came up in all the LD classes. I have dyslexia and ADD. So School was not a happy place for me. They just kind of showed me what I wasn't. So I would just draw and doodle all the time. I didn't know at the time I had a gift of any kind for it. It's just the only thing that I could do. So I drew growing up. That's what I kind of thought I would be. And I was going to go to school and do that full on. And God called me into ministry instead. And I kind of thought the drawing thing would kind of go away. Hmm. And uh, I actually started writing songs in college I had sort of decided for myself that actually I never thought I couldn't be a writer. It never occurred to me to try because the way I was brought up and the way school raised me was, this is not your thing, right? Mm. <laughs> so when I got to Bible college, I had to write creatively for some of the first times and saw that I was drawing pictures with words. And that sort of drew me into another way of drawing. Because when I'm writing a song, I'm seeing it. It's like a movie. Wow. Actually, you and I have joked about that because I'll always kind of storyboard on a sheet of paper I'll kind of draw things out of what I want to see, you know, said, and then it's like 45 minutes long and you dial me down to a normal song. <laughs> but <laughs> do you have to say all of that, Mark? But they need to know the sky was blue that day. So uh, I started writing songs and that just sort of became the way I did it. And art just kind of went to the sidelines. And when cancer happened about five years ago, there was some downtime and I found myself drawing a little bit again, but then was it two years ago when my voice problem started yeah. and I wasn't able to speak for a little over a month Wow! because I had surgery on my vocal cords and I had a uh, paralyzed nerve in the vocal cord. So here I am, not only can I not sing, I can't talk either. We had just recorded the record, Only Jesus. We're about to launch this thing out right? and I'm silent. And it was a tough few weeks. We had to cancel a Christmas tour. And in that time... I took my daughter to Italian restaurants. You know the Italian restaurants, they have the paper on the table? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the server will come up and go, my name's Gretchen, and they'll write it upside down. And you spend the rest of the time with the crayons trying to figure out how to write your name upside <laughs> right, down. Right. So I grabbed two crayons, and Reagan was sitting across from me. I'd never tried it before, and I just, with both hands, since she was across from me, I drew it upside down. Come on. And I drew a face with both hands for her. And it, it wasn't anything special. It was just kind of scribbly. And she just like, Dad, what did you just do? And uh, I said, I don't know. I've never done that before. And that night, I came home and started just trying it and trying to draw. And I've never really tried ever in my life to draw Jesus. It's never been something that I like doing portraits and stuff. I guess it just was the moment that only Jesus was the song. And I remember going and down in my room, and I was pretty low and uh, just trying to figure out how is this going to work. The, the tour just got canceled. I don't know if I'm going to sing again. They're not making me any promises. Mm. And when I sat down to draw, that's what started. And it was just the picture I have in my head. 
There's nothing magical about it. I didn't see it on a piece of toast. It doesn't speak to me. <laughs> it was just a drawing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's don't get weird people. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. But I just started drawing and I remember watching his face just happen on the sheet of paper. And it was just something I, I realized this needs to be part of this journey. This is how I'm going to worship for now. Wow. I can't sing. I can't do my thing. And I remember even asking God, like, God, you got to fix this. This is kind of what I do, you know, to the point that I was even saying things that I know better than to say, like, God, this is who I am. Mm. And it's like the lessons I've been teaching and the songs I've been writing, my feelings ran away with me instead. Wow. And God had to remind me, no, actually, you are not a singer. <laughs> you are mine. You're my child. And you sing. Wow. So singing can come and go, Mark, but you are mine mm. and you worship me and you trust me. And um, it's kind of like when Jesus looked, when they asked him, like, what about him? I think he was talking to, they were asking about John, maybe. Yeah. What's he going to have to do? He goes, what does it matter to you? You follow me. And in the moments that we're in a dark place, we're like, well, well, this isn't fair. Look at everywhere else. And Jesus says, hey, you just follow me through this. And I remember thinking, all right, this is how my worship's going to happen. So every night I go down in the basement and I would draw this picture just over and over, different styles, different ways. And when my voice started coming back and we're trying to figure out how to do the tour, I'm talking to Kyle Lawless and he's putting video together and we're talking to my doctors, Zach Williams is coming out on tour with us. And we remember thinking, okay, how do we do this? You probably can't sing all the songs like normal. Um, right. So we're going to have to have you sing a song or two and then have Megan sing this one instead. And Melody can sing this one. And even Zach could come out and he's going to do one or two of your songs. So that your voice could slowly build its strength back up. Right. So I was just going to baby step into this. And then he said, well, what if we had some videos to use? And Kyle saw the drawing. He says, dude, you're doing that on the stage. And I said, dude, no, I'm not. Wow. (laughs) So it ain't going to happen. And uh, I said, it takes me like an hour or 30 minutes to do this drawing. I said, people don't want to watch anything for four minutes now, you know, much less 30. (laughs) And uh, he said, well, you got to figure out how you're going to do it. And literally the first day of the tour in rehearsal, I sat a sheet of paper up and tried it for the first time doing it super fast because I needed to do it in eight minutes. Right. And that day I'd never painted before. I found watercolor pencils, drew it and colored in with the pencils and painted it from there. And that's when it started. So really the first successful one of those done was at the very first concert of the tour in front of several thousand close friends. Oh man. That's incredible. (laughs) That's incredible. So as nervous as we get when we sing, now it's like I'm starting all over again for the first time. I'm like, please, like that new kid walking into the middle school lunchroom, somebody love me, anyone, please. (laughs) Can anybody see those sketches somewhere? You don't really post them a lot on your Instagram feed, do you? You know, I did do a few. They're on the Mark Hall CC one. There's even some videos of me doing it, like a time lapse kind of a thing. But we had Megan sing, and she sang Who Am I? Yes. While I yes. drew and painted the picture. And just recently, I was at a fundraiser for a ministry, and I drew it and painted it while talking and sang the song Who Am I while painting it. And I feel like this is just going to be part of my story that, that's going to be in our concerts from now on. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done. I've gotten to know you over the years and to be able to consider you a friend. And I always talk a lot about how 
God wants to speak through the stories of our lives. Our stories have power, but we might be surprised by which chapters of our stories God's getting ready to shine the brightest through. And I think a lot of times people get fooled into thinking that, okay, well, God's going to use my good stuff, my successes, my special talents, the most put together parts of me, the most put together chapters of my story. And yet a recurring theme in your story is how God has shined through maybe the less than perfect parts of your story. I mean, your battle with cancer, you just kind of glazed over a minute ago sharing about being dyslexic and how school was difficult for you. And it's just, I see in you time and time again, the living, breathing example of how God can speak through the chapters of our stories that if it were up to us, we might've cast those aside and said, oh no, there's no way God could use that. Yeah, totally. It seems like I have everything picked out for how God could use everybody else. Mm. You know, I'm like, oh man, that guy would be great because he's a good talker. And this guy would be good because he's talented, but we never see ourselves in it. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. That's, that's got to be where you start is, God, I don't see how you're going to use me. Wow. Because a lot of folks will go, I, you know, I'm pretty awesome at this. How can I give this to him? I don't usually see those people go to many places. But the people that aren't sure of themselves have to depend on God. Because we're like, all right, God, I'm going down if you don't do this. man. You can camp out there too long and just tell stories about what you should have done and what you could have done. But when you finally do jump out there, like David did, right? Mm. When, when he faced Goliath, he went back and he said, man, this one time a bear tried to, to get my sheep. And I said, oh, uh-uh, right? Mm. <laughs> There's one time when this lion tried to come and he, he had these <laughs> lion and bear stories and he'd had the little things that he had trusted God with. So when the giant came, he was ready to jump. Wow. Well, we want to go to the giant now. We're like, all right, God, I'm going to trust you this one time. I want you to give me my shot. I want everybody to see it. I want a million people to love me man. and I'll trust you with it if that works. And it just doesn't work that way. I don't know anybody's story that happens that way. Even people think that Casting Crowns just exploded one day. Dude, if we're the body, it was eight years old before anybody in any kind of record world ever heard it. Are you serious? I've been singing it to teenagers. There's three or four different versions, musical versions of If We're the Body. And it didn't become a legitimate song because radio played it. Wow. It was pouring into people, and there are youth pastors and pastors now because I'm just in a room with 18 kids using my gifts like I can. Man, don't get me started. No, you're getting me fired up and you're speaking right to me because I mean, so many times I've been lulled into thinking that it's what I'm bringing to the table. And when you get to rely on what you're bringing to the table, then you get lulled into thinking that it's you that's going to be able to make the impact in the world if you do a good enough job. Totally. Millions of people have been impacted by the music that the Lord's created through you, the songs, the ideas that he's inspired you to write. And yet, what do you do? You come to the table and on the list of how you might describe yourself to other people, if you made your own resume, I don't even think musician would be number five on your list. You you always start by telling people that you're a youth pastor. Yeah. And I'm so inspired by that. And I think that resonates with people in such a big way that you're clearly not defining yourself by the applause of the crowd. And being a youth pastor is a title that really matters a lot to you, doesn't it? Yeah, dude, it really does. And just hearing you say these things, it takes me back to when you and I wrote Only Jesus. No hero in the Bible ever got up in the morning thinking, I want to be a hero. Mm. I don't think it ever happened. Some of them did. I think it was a Simon the Sorcerer. Hey, hey, give me some of that power you got so I can go be awesome. Yes. And he walked away without it. But you see everyday people going, all right, God, I love you, and I'll do whatever you say. Wait a minute. You've got to be kidding, 
right? This is what I'm supposed to do. And we have to just trust him <laughs> with it. What was it? Paul, he said, I decided to know nothing among you, but Christ and him crucified. Mm. He said, I didn't come at you with wise and persuasive words. Well, he didn't say that because he didn't have wise and persuasive words. You remember, he was the Hebrew among Hebrews. Mm. He was excelling in Judaism far above anybody else. He's a sharp guy. So he probably could have debated the debaters under the table. I mean, he's like quoting philosophers in scripture, right. showing them how it doesn't work. But Paul was studied. And so he tells them, I've decided to know nothing among you. The word decided is a big word hmm. because I think Paul got it. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize, I don't have anything to bring to the table. The best I can give you is not going to change you. Man. So it's not about humbling yourself. It's just being humbled and realizing, I can't change anybody's life. I can't heal your affliction or your situation or your addiction. All I can do is give you Jesus because he can. So when anytime... Somebody starts going on about you, how humble you are, even then you better be careful because <laughs> right. that's a rose being handed to you right. that is not for you. Right. That rose is not for you. You better pass that right on up to Jesus. You're on stage right now and you're standing between God and his people. You better be very careful how you tread right here. Yeah. It's easy to be humble when you're being praised. Yeah. So if you're feeling called to do a ministry, but for some reason, every time you say it, it says in front of a thousand people, I don't know about you, man. I don't know. I think if you're called to do this ministry and write these songs and sing these songs, you need to do it right now where you are with the people you're with. Obviously, everybody knows Casting Crowns. Everybody loves their music. You could devote your entire life to touring around the world with your concerts, and yet you go back home to Georgia, to your church, and you disciple your high school students one-on-one, and you're back at church on Sunday, you're leading worship, and you're pouring into the lives of your youth group. Why does that continue to be so important to you and the church? And everybody would even understand, like, hey, you know what? Mark's got this other platform. He's got this other stage. What keeps bringing you back to that when you could easily just move on and focus on your platform as a recording artist? Well, I know you asked that question knowing the answer. So I, I don't want to turn it yeah. back on you, but I think we can always see that in other people's lives, seeing that, you know, you could easily do that. But the moment that you see your own life that way, you're in trouble. The moment you see your life is I could easily do this on a much bigger scale. Uh, yeah. You try that. Go give it a go. See how that works. Right. Wow. <laughs> so for me personally, I look at what I'm doing as this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So any off ramp I take right now is not where God wants me. So there are some artists that need to be on the road full time and they're doing what they're doing. They need to keep rocking. Right. But I know that for me, if I'm not pouring into kids, those songs won't happen. Wow. I'm not going to think those things. I'm not going to teach those things. Those are coming out of me because I'm blooming where he's got me now. So if I try to skip that, yeah. if I try to skip this local body and these people that God's got me around to go get to a bigger group, it's not going to happen. And if it does, it won't mean anything. So for me, it's not a noble thing. It's not a check me out thing. It's just, I know. Yeah. I know it's not in me to write those. I've got some talent, but it's not going to be anything life-changing mm. unless I'm where God wants me to be. And I know you know that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, when I start seeing myself as, man, I could easily do that. <laughs> then I'm reading the wrong websites, man. Yeah. My pastor in Nashville, on one of the online services, he made a statement. He said, you know, many of you are trying to make decisions without God's guidance. He says, you're good, but you're not that good. But I think about that in light of what you're talking about. But you know, you're so right about what happens and what you come out. When you come to Nashville and when we write songs, now this is what I want the listeners to picture right now. 
we all have these leather-bound journals, and I call my journal the Journal of Good Intentions. And the reason is, is because when you and I get together, you come to town, and you are determined not to open a laptop, but you have this awesome pen, and you've got this incredible leather-bound journal. Dude, it's a fine-tip Sharpie. Come on, man. It's not that bad. Oh, but I always joke that I imagine, like, when you open that journal, it's like a ray of light shoots out, like some sort of superhero movie like thor and then i hear oh but you come to town and i start writing in my journal because i want to be like you and five minutes in my laptop's open and my journal's back in the car but you keep writing and drawing and when you open that journal you come to nashville and you come with these ideas would you say most of your song ideas really actually come out of your experiences with the youth group your teaching your one-on-one discipleship and what the lord shows you through that yeah any song you name i remember when i spoke part of that first and it'll be a chunk or a nugget or just one thing that i said that i saw that resonated and that's when i know this needs to be said again so i know that if i wasn't pouring into kids throughout the weeks that these ideas wouldn't just happen and it's got to happen. I got to be with my teenagers. You mentioned the song Only Jesus and I want to ask you because I remember that idea struck me in such a, it was like you turned the word legacy upside down. And it was literally this concept of, I don't want to leave a legacy. Yeah. I just remember thinking at first, I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think... I remember you saying that. Because legacy seems to make so much sense in our mind's eye. Like, it's such a positive word. Yeah. So explain like how that came about. Because I just remember being... At first, I was like kind of looking a little sideways, like a dog that thinks he's about to get a treat. Yeah. And then the aha moment that clicked for me that really allowed me to find my way into that song. I mean, that song speaks to me in such a big way. But tell us about where that came from. You know, when you're a songwriter, you're saying what everybody else is thinking. You're just saying in a different way. Yeah. So sometimes you're using words that grab people's attention and you're turning it a little bit so they can hear it differently. When you are songwriting, if you're a believer, you got to be really careful when you're doing that. Mm. I've seen some words turned a few too many times, maybe. <laughs> so there's always that accountability. I'd just been to a lot of funerals at the time, and I'd been through some really, really dark times with a few families in our church, and I can't even go into it. But it was as dark as I've ever had to be present for. Mm. Seeing the end of somebody's life and everything they did, everything they said, everyone's trying to come up with something to say about them. And I just thought, I don't know that I need anybody to know that I drew. I don't know that that's going to help anybody to know that I was such a good songwriter. I'm trying not to be flippant. Talent and all that stuff is great, but it just doesn't last. People bounce back pretty quick. The world's going to keep on going. And whether or not it remembers me, I just don't know if that helps anybody. It's a humbling thought to know that I had a guy come up to me at Walmart And he said, man, I want to thank you for one of your songs. It just changed my life. And he couldn't think of the name of it. (laughs) I was like, okay. And he goes, what was that song about God? How much he loves us? And I was like, oh, okay. And I thought, I said, is it who am I? And he goes, no, no, no. No, no, no. (laughs) I thought, okay. That kind of stung a little bit. That was a good song. And he never thought of the name of it. 
we went back and forth for I a while. I love that. He finally just said, man, I can't remember what it was, but I just remember hearing it and knowing that I was in a time of my life when I was really deciding some things. And your song pushed me to God and pushed me to the word. But this is what's happening now. And this is who I am now. Wow. I don't remember your song, but this is what God's doing. And that immediately made me walk out of there thinking of all the people that poured into me that I'd totally forgotten poured into me. Yes. All of those little small group leaders that sat there and talked to the top of my head because I was just playing with my shoes as a teenager and all those people talking to my rolling eyes and all of those that don't even know they mattered. Wow. But what they said stuck Yes, and it formed in me. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't think we walk around wanting to be remembered, but we have to understand there are moments when you're not the point. Yes. And you got to make sure you're pointing to the point. I love that. I've heard you say something like that, and I think I've quoted that a couple times and maybe made sure I didn't give you credit, but <laughs> but I love the idea of pointing to the point. And it's funny, in the beginning of my career, I had a moment where somebody came up and just went crazy over how my song had changed their life and they wanted to take a picture. And then at the very end, they go, so Chris Tomlin, thank you so much. <laughs> and I was like, just crushed. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, but I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me after that. He was like, Matthew, what's more important to you? Do you want them to remember your name? Or is it okay that the truth that I spoke through you in that little three-minute song yeah. is what they take with them? And that's why I'm so honored to be a small part in that song about the opposite of legacy, because our world talks a lot about legacy and the way that you just turned that upside down in a way that only Mark Hall could is a really special thing. I feel like in those couple sessions, Only Jesus and Nobody, both songs that are really from that perspective of, I like to describe it as a couple of guys who know what it's like to be the last one picked for the kickball team. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but Jesus is the only name to remember. And I- One of the things that I notice and experience in my conversations with so many people, whether it's letters that come through social media or at concerts, is so many people have been made to feel like their story is somehow disqualified, like they don't measure up, like they don't have the the qualifications, the skill sets, or maybe they feel like they just messed up one too many times, or maybe they've been just severely damaged by harsh words that were spoken to them even as a kid. Like there was one woman who shared her story with me. Mark, and she said that the names that she was called as a kid, worthless, ugly, stupid, she said now as an adult, she feels like there's this tape in her mind that keeps rewinding and replaying Mm. and getting her to believe a lie that her story couldn't possibly have significance. What is it that you would say, and I know you've already answered that question with a lot of the songs that you sing, but to somebody listening today going, yeah, Mark, easy for you to say, yeah, Matthew, easy for you to say, you guys, you get the applause of all these people, but I don't think God could use my story. Yeah. I think we'll always come up with a way to discount what people say when it gets in our business. I can pick out a little problem in your theology or come up with a reason to not listen to you. You know, when I was a kid, people wanted me to draw them all the time. And I learned just don't draw people because they can always argue with that. Oh, my (laughs) nose isn't that big. My eyes aren't that close together. I don't don't look like that. But you can't walk up to a mirror and go, that's not my face. Wow. Can't. You got to face it. 
face your face. So what I would encourage that person to do is stop looking at everybody else's drawings of you and go to the mirror of God's word and let him show you who you really are. Cause he filled the Bible up with people that were way worse than you. Wow. Yes. I mean, just check it out. There were train wrecks everywhere and Jesus wasn't ashamed of one of them. They're all, they all made the Bible. They're all in there. <laughs> and Jesus died for all of them. Anyway, even when they bailed afterwards, he went and got them and pulled them all back to him because that's who Jesus is. Man. He doesn't love you because you're good. He loves you because he's good. So anytime you're saying to me that your past is going to stop you or your sickness is going to stop you or your talent's going to stop you. What you're telling me is that Jesus isn't enough. Wow. I don't ever remember God saying that about you. So you should ask yourself that question. When did God say these things about me? Yeah. Since God's the only one that knows me and just go back to his word and let him tell you who you are. Cause there's just not a verse for that. There's not a verse for what you're thinking. That's just feelings talking. The feelings are valid, but that doesn't make them true. Yes. You got to give your feelings to him. And say, okay, here's how I feel, God, but what can you do with it? So good, Mark. So good. And I know that what you just spoke is going to be such an encouragement, even right now, to somebody who's listening and been struggling and maybe listening to the wrong voices. I love that getting in front of the mirror of God's word and being reminded what he says about you and how he says he knows the plans he has for you. I, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. Here's what I want to do before our time is up. I want to end at the beginning. And one of the questions that I'm going to ask every guest on this podcast is, I want to know what your blue couch moment was. And what that is, is, you know, I had a really defining moment in my faith where it really became real to me watching a Billy Graham crusade on TV, sitting on a blue couch in the living room of my childhood Chicago home. Mm. And I think about that blue couch moment. I feel like the Lord brings that back to me a lot of times because one of the struggles in my life, Mark, is when you've been a Christian a long time, I feel like your faith in Christ can become so second nature that it stops feeling like your first love. And then you start feeling like, man, will I ever get back to that kid who was just on fire for Jesus? And even in that, I am comforted in knowing that my heart is still pointed in the direction of the God who loves me and being reminded that he calls me a new creation. And so I think it's important. I think it's good for people to remember those significant moments in their life while there may be many, just to think about like, what are some of those images? Is there one moment in your life where you remember that defining moment took place and you decided once and for all that you were going to place your story in God's hands? Yeah. I think for years when I would tell people my story, I would say, I grew up in church, but I don't think anybody ever discipled me or poured into me. Looking back, that's not true. They were discipling, they were pouring, they were teaching, they were praying. My heart just wasn't ready to hear it. Mm. I went to church wanting to meet a girl or impress these guys. And I just sat through truth and it just bounced right off my head. And I remember my life hitting the bottom when I was 19. I built my life around a girl and the girl left. Nobody told me that story. <laughs> so you build your life around a person and the person leaves, you don't have a life left. So there I was a few nights kind of deciding if I was going to do the next day. Wow. As close as you can get to that. Yeah. And um, I remember listening to these two little TV preachers on the radio. I'm going to have to find them one day. It was a little talk show. Hey, it was a podcast of sorts, much like <laughs> we are doing this moment, but it was on the radio and it was called Power for Today. Started with an old timey preacher voice and these two little guys, hey guys, we're going to 
look at your problems. You just call in and tell us what you got. And people were calling in and talking about real problems. And I remember the first time I heard the show was on accident. I was just listening to the radio and this show came on. Some lady is telling them about a problem she has at work and people that she's dealing with. And I'm sitting here listening to her talk about real life. And then they said, well, you know, let's look at this in Philippians. And they start reading her scripture that goes with the situation. I realized in my head, I had totally separated the two. There was your real life and then you went to church Yeah, and then you went back to your real life. Yeah, I play baseball on Saturday. I work on Friday. I go to church on Sunday. These are my work friends. These are my church friends. It's just another little place in a world that we go to. And that's all it had become to me. And I'm listening to these two little guys and I, I started being glued to it every Sunday night. I wanted to hear it. And I started asking myself, all right, they've got something I don't have. <laughs> I remember going to the word and we've already covered the how well of a reader I am. So <laughs> I just started kind of digging in it just laying in my bed at night in the dark, listening to these two little preachers talk about God's word and problems. Yeah. That was my blue couch. That's where God started really speaking to my heart. That's Not awesome. that he hadn't been speaking, right? He'd been speaking all my life, yeah. but the soil was finally soft enough for me to get it. Yeah. I just have to encourage you when your heart is soft, mm. move Yeah, because our hearts have an amazing ability to bounce back. Yes. Yeah. We can get through a mood in a moment. If I can just get to the car, I don't have to think about this. Right. Well, just get away from it. Right. And there I was just sitting there. I could have turned the channel and just thought, I don't want to think about this anymore, but I just didn't. Mm. And I just leaned into that moment. And that's when God got me. Well, isn't that the proof that he pursues us? He seeks and saves those who are lost. He leaves the 99 to find the one. He knocks at the door of our hearts. And that's why I love hearing those stories, because when I hear you talk about that radio show and just digging into scripture in the dark like that, it brings me to my blue couch moment. It reminds me, wait a minute, the same God who called my name and who called your name all those years ago still loves us, still sees us as his beloved children and still has great plans for Mark Hall, for Casting Crowns, and for everybody listening to this. Uh, man, I'm telling you what, every time I get to be in your presence, the Lord uses you to speak into my life, and uh, this time is no different. And I want to thank you for being the first ever guest on the podcast. Mark Hall, it's an honor to call you friend, and I'm thankful for your impact on the world and your impact in my life. Thanks for coming to the Story House. Thanks, buddy. Love you, bro. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life, I've been told I belong at the end of the line. With all the other not quite, with all the never get it right. But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time Cause I'm just a nobody In every episode of Let's Go to the Story House, I'm going to have a segment called Songs from the Story House. Now, in case I didn't mention this before, the Story House is a real place. Let me paint the picture for you. There's a house that I built behind where I live. It's where I go to work every single day. I write my songs there. I record my albums. I write my books, and now I create this podcast, All in the Story House. One of the reasons I was so excited to create this show was to kind of open the front door to the Story House and invite you in. And I wouldn't be giving you the full tour if I didn't give you the chance to hear some of the powerful stories that have inspired some of the songs you may know. So I'm very excited to bring this to you in every episode, Songs from the Story House. 
Today we're going to get to talk to a young man named William who met me backstage at a concert during a VIP meet and greet, and he shared what he called his miracle with me. Let's talk to William. William. What's up? How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, and you? Oh, I'm doing great. It's great to talk to you today. Same here. I want you to tell all the listeners of this podcast a little bit of your story. It's a powerful story. It was so impactful to me that, as you know, it, it inspired a song. I want you to talk about what you told me, okay? Yes. At three weeks old, I stopped breathing. My dad started giving me CPR. And while my dad was giving me CPR, my sisters called 911. They took us to the hospital and they didn't find anything. And then they sent my parents home with medicine for me and just say, if he does it again, give him this. It happened again. After a MRI and a CT scan, they found that I had a stroke. Many times during that night, I stopped breathing. Three weeks old, you suffered a stroke. Yes. Doctors said that I would never walk or talk. And then, so I started pulling up on the coffee table and started, like, walking around it. And they were all like, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so despite what the doctor said, like, you started taking your first steps. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. They took me back to the doctor's office. And he was all like, okay, well, he might be able to walk, but he'll never be able to run. When I did my testimony to my church... After I said that, I ran a lap around my church. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened? What did the church do when you started running a lap around your church? They all stood up and applauded like <laughs> a concert just ended or something cool like that. And I wasn't even done with my testimony, so I had to wait till they finished applauding to continue my testimony. You know what we call that? We call that dropping the mic. Yes, sir. You dropped the mic. That is awesome. Didn't you tell me you actually did drop the mic and run a lap? Yes. <laughs> I want to tell you something. When you told me that part of the story backstage, <laughs> man, I got choked up because I was like, I just could picture that moment. And it felt like such an awesome moment where here you are like standing in front of your church. And you know why they stood up for you? Because they were seeing in front of them what a real miracle looks like. And that's exactly what you are, man. I think that's just so incredible. The doctor said you'd never walk. You started walking. They said you'd never talk. I started talking. <laughs> they said you'd never run. I started running. Yeah, not only have you started running, but you beat me in a race. Thanks a lot. Okay, well, you were in boots and both of us were in jeans, so it was a fair match. <laughs> okay, so we need to tell the <laughs> listeners what happened. All right, so you tell me your story backstage in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. I come back home to Nashville, and little did you know that when I went back to the bus, actually, that night after meeting you, here's what I wrote in my phone, in my notes where I keep all my song titles, Walking Miracles. In fact, I found a video that I filmed with my arm around you backstage because I was so moved by your story that right in that moment, I wanted other people to hear how awesome you were. Even that day when we met, what did I call you in that video? A walking miracle. And I posted it on social media. I said, hey, you guys got to meet this kid, William. He's got a powerful story. He's a walking miracle. And then that night after my concert, I went back to the bus and I wrote it in my phone, the word walking miracles. And that began the process of me writing a song with your name. Now, do you already know that song by heart? 
Yes, I know every single word. Okay, l- I'm going to test you. <laughs> Let me hear the first verse that talks about you. How's the song start? Let me tell you about William. He's, He's been, been fighting battles since day one. The doctor said his life was over. Yeah, before it had begun. He said he never walked, but now, now he walks. He said he never talked, but now he talks. I guess you could say. He's a living, breathing, walking miracle. Come on, man. (laughs) Round of applause for William. Now, how surprised were you when I showed up at your house in New Mexico? Your mom and dad knew, but they were supposed to keep the surprise. Did they keep the surprise pretty good? Yes, until the day you came, I kind (laughs) of got a hint. Oh, you got a hint? Well, I just figured something was coming because... My mom said, I'm going to take you to school later on, but wear this Matthew West shirt, and then I'll just put a hoodie over you since it's cold outside. And then so I was all like, okay, cool. All the while, I was getting on an airplane in Nashville and flying to New Mexico, then getting in a rental car and driving straight to your house. And we were parked outside while your mom was trying to keep the secret. Yeah. And the reason for this was because I wanted you to hear your song. I was just putting out the brand new album. Your song was going to be on it, and I wanted to play it for you in person. And I got to tell you, William, hanging out at your house for the day was one of the coolest days that I can remember having, getting to meet your parents and hear your story in person, even your little dog. (laughs) What's your dog's name? His name was Caillou. Caillou. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to see your Yeezys. Those were pretty cool. Yeah, shoot. You better watch out because if you buy one of those, you might end up on pictures with sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wear Yeezys. You can wear them. If I wear Yeezys, I'll show up on preachers and sneakers. You're right. Really? <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, William, it was such a special time. One, to get to meet you. Two, to get to write that song that has your name in it. And then to get to come and visit your home and have a day in the life with you, having pizza with you guys. Your parents are such awesome people. And man, we released a special music video that you kind of helped direct, didn't you? Yes, sir. Where we got to tell your story. And I didn't realize you were kind of into film. That's kind of a thing for you, right? Yeah. So I hope you're proud of that video because I'm super proud of it. Oh, yeah. Hey, William. So tell everybody how old you are now and what grade you're in. I am 15 and I'm a freshman in high school. Freshman in high school. And tell me, like, what are some of the obstacles that you still have to overcome in your life as a result of what happened to you as a kid? You've obviously overcome so much. Mm-hmm. What are some of those things that you have to overcome every day that people might not realize? I have, like, a hard time tying my shoes. And then, like, when I go to school, sometimes I get bullied. And at my school, there's more than one story. So I have to take the elevator because... Sometimes my right foot might go in front of my left and I might trip myself. Let me ask you, what keeps you going on those days when some of that stuff happens? Like you talked about being bullied a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty cool that you'd be willing to talk about that kind of thing. Because guess what? There's somebody else who's listening to this interview right now and they're in the exact same situation. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're feeling like, I don't know if I can make it through this. But what gives you strength to keep going When you have some of those things to overcome or when you're dealing with bullying or just having to take the long way around and maybe get help in areas where you struggle, what is it that gives you strength to keep going? 
Well, I just read the Bible every night before I go to sleep. Mm. And then when I read Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I just remember that I would just keep fighting those battles that are in front of me, those walls that are huge, big obstacles. And I just know that I will one day just be stronger than them because of the obstacles that I had to face and that it made me stronger. <laughs> You're speaking my language. That's one of my favorite Bible verses. You know that, right? Philippians 4.13, man. You've been breaking walls down your whole life, haven't you? Yes, sir. William, you're really showing me what it looks like to really know that God is strong and that he has a plan for our stories, even the chapters where we've had to break through some walls. And so I'm honored to be able to call you my friend. And I hope every time you hear that song, Walking Miracles, you can be reminded that somewhere in the world, somebody else is listening to your story and God's using it to help encourage them to go break down some walls too. Yes, sir. Well, I told you, that kid is awesome, man. And I'm so glad I got to share William's story with you. To hear that song, Walking Miracles, or to watch the music video that William helped to direct, you can find all of that information in the show notes for this episode. Let me tell you about you. Yeah, you. Do you know that you're amazing? A one in a million masterpiece that's in the making You might think, not me But every single breath that you breathe Is saying you are A living, breathing, walking miracle Now we have come to a section of our podcast that I call Dadvice This is a time in our podcast where my dad, Reverend Joseph West, gives advice And that's why I came up with the clever title, Dadvice my dad and he gives good advice and that's why this segment is called dad vice if you've ever been to one of my concerts chances are you maybe have seen my dad on stage or maybe even met with him or prayed with him and that's because my dad and i have a nonprofit organization called pop we he's my pop and our organization's called pop we in fact pop we is one of the sponsors of this podcast and so my dad is a prayer warrior he's been a pastor for over 40 years and that's why I thought it would be cool, hey, to have the guy who gives me lots of good advice to now give you lots of good advice. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, Dad. Well, thank you, son. It's an honor to be on your podcast. I do have one question. What's that? What is a podcast? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll cover that a little bit later. <laughs> okay. But Dad, what you might not know about podcasts, you more than make up for and your knowledge of scripture. And that's why I thought in every episode of Let's Go to the Story House, we're going to always consider what my friend Randy Frazee says, which is the upper story, which is the story that God's been telling all throughout history. And you know the word, you know scripture. And so this is your time. This is your time to give me some dad advice and give everybody else out there. So what's your word for today? Okay, my word for today and our first podcast that I'm doing would be one of the first scriptures that we taught you and your brothers, and that is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That verse has become an anthem of many. You wrote a song called Strong Enough, and I remember you and your brothers from a young age me always encouraging you 
with this verse to put it yeah. to memory, no matter what you were going to, to face, whether you were on your way to school, we would pray together <laughs> and I'd ask you to quote Philippians 4.13. Yeah, before we got out of the car. Yes, I remember yeah. high school baseball games. I tell this story from the stage a lot where I'd be digging my feet in the dirt at home plate and you know, late innings of the game, and I would hear your voice, a familiar voice shouting from the bleachers. I was just thankful you weren't yelling at the umpires, but <laughs> instead you were, son, what's Philippians 4.13? And uh, I remember feeling embarrassed in that moment, but under my breath, I was quoting the scripture that you taught me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yes, and what a valuable truth to learn at a young age and throughout our lives that really we can't do anything without Christ's strength. We think we can't sometimes, but we need to realize that it's only through Christ we can face everything that's going to come against us in this life. See, this is why I wanted to have a dad vice segment in every episode of Let's Go to the Story House. And for you to pick Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, especially after what we've just heard from Mark Hall and then our buddy William. And he quoted that scripture too. So a real common thread reminding us that there's a strength greater than our own and that God can help us overcome whatever obstacles are in our way. And when we look to his strength, we can achieve greater things with our stories than we ever thought possible. Dad, thanks for being here. I'm excited for the Dad Vice segment in every episode. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My dad and I have a nonprofit organization called Pop We, P-O-P-W-E. He's my pop and we are a community. If you'd like to receive more encouraging and inspirational devotions like the one my dad just shared, you can sign up to receive a free weekly email devotion that comes straight to your inbox and reminds you of the importance of spending some time with Jesus. They're called Day One Devos. You can go to popwe.org, P-O-P-W-E.org for all the information. You can even share your story there. You can sign up to receive those devos. You can even submit a prayer request and know that people all around the country will be praying for you. Well, folks, we did it. Episode one of the Matthew West podcast is officially in the books. I want to thank my guests, Mark Hall from Casting Crowns, William from New Mexico with his inspiring story, and of course, my dad with that dad vice segment. And here's the best part. If you loved episode one, well, guess what? You don't have to wait a week to find episode two. We launched this podcast with three episodes. So you can go right now to find episode two, which features a special interview with some of my favorite people, Sadie Robertson and Corey Robertson. Go check that out. And episode three will showcase what every episode at the end of each month is going to sound like. It's called VIP Q&A. Basically, every episode at the end of the month features you, your story, your questions. You're the star. I'm turning the microphone around and you get a chance to tell me what's going on in your life. We've posted links to all the music that was talked about in today's episode, as well as links to the music video for Walking Miracles. So if you'd like to hear that music or see that video, go to MatthewWest.com slash podcast. That's MatthewWest.com slash podcast to find everything you're looking for. And last but not least, if you loved today's episode, would you do me a favor? Would you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen? And if you feel so inclined... We sure love a five-star rating and a comment about what part of the episode you love the most. Thank you all so much for your support. I can't wait to take this journey with you. I'll see you next time on the Matthew S. Podcast.
<laughs> but seriously, I, I, I do.